This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. 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 All right, we're ready to uh, center ourselves for worship, huh? Let us do that by standing and singing hymn 57. <laughs> service what's happening. We sang three verses at the 8 a.m. service, so we just carried that over into the 9 and 10.30 services. So all of you who are ready to sing verses 4 and 7, do we want to sing? Yeah. All right, let's finish the song. Let's sing verses 4 and 7. <laughs> Let's all turn in our hymnals. What page is this? 708? 708, and we'll sing a couple verses of that, and then uh, Rachel will take us into prayer. All right? Rejoice in God's saints today and all days. Saints forgets how to praise their faith in acquiring a habit of prayer, their depth of adoring. Lord, help us to share some march with.
us pray. Gracious God, in the debris and the litter of the world, you clear a place where we can be planted. Your justice, which can bring hope to the oppressed. Your righteousness, which can receive even our enemies in peace. Christ Jesus, you break up the stony ground of our hearts so grace might be planted. You take us by the hand and lead us through the waters of baptism so we can stand on the far shores on your kingdom. Holy Spirit, early every morning, you are out ahead of us, walking the paths of life, clearing away all the temptations which would cause us to stumble and fall. God in community, holy and one, hear us as we pray as Jesus our brother taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. that we've shared our joys and concerns with each other and with God, we have the opportunity to give thanks to God by presenting our tithes and offerings to him. Our ushers will wait upon us.
God of the harvest, you give growth to the gifts we offer to you in gratitude and praise. You invite us to be co-workers with you in building a kingdom on earth that will bring justice, compassion, mercy, and hope to all your creation. Help us in all we say, in all we do, in all we give, to keep our eyes forward, focused on you. Bless our tithes and offerings for the work of your church. Help us to be a part of what you grow in our midst. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Good morning. What a good-looking group. Uh, this song has special meaning for me. I've had two heart attacks. Uh, the last heart attack, the doctor came in and said, Mr. Nencurvis, you had what we call the Widowmaker. You had 100% blockage in your main artery, and everybody dies. So I said, well, Doc, what am I, some kind of a miracle or something? He said, yeah, pretty much, and he left the room. So the reason I'm here is because the grace of God kept me alive. some wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe displayed then sings my soul my savior God to thee how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God his Son not sparing sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on that cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of exclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my god how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art, how great thou art. 
receive a reading from the Word of God. Forgiving us the main part of God, and renew our right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scriptures. Our first reading is from Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and, take, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Our second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos' water, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will re receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants, working together. You are God's field, God's building. This is God's word to God's people. Moving is always an interesting process. Sometimes it's disconcerting. Sometimes it's really enlivening. Now, you know, I've been away from home for about eight years. And uh, part of the fun about being down in La Jolla was a, a different change of pace. Things were enlivening like that. And part of the great fun of coming back is that I'm feeling like I'm back home. I have discovered, though, that the bathroom's in a different place. <laughs> and when I wake up in the middle of the night, you know, it's no longer a left and a left and down a hall and a right, but it's uh, right over there to the right. And relearning where the Gelson's is and the Barnes and Noble and the Starbucks, all of those things. I used to have a uh, five-minute drive to work. Now it's a half hour and am serving a blessed community that wants to worship three times on a Sunday morning. <laughs> with the first one being at eight. Man. So changes can be a little disconcerting. They also can be invigorating. I, I think Rachel and I both share the excitement of being in a new place with new opportunities, meeting new people. It's, it's a gorgeous community, this Westlake Village, and with the lake and, and the shopping and park areas, and we look forward to getting well acquainted to the place as well as to the people. And already some of you have endeared yourselves to us that we feel uh, touched and, and befriended, and we're thankful for that. Growth can really be an enhancing thing, stimulating and facilitating good change in our lives, as well as sometimes being disconcerting. I want to talk about change and growth today uh, just a little bit um, as part of our introductory sermons with one another. It's the, uh, it's the elephant in the room 
Uh, I got a report uh, from the men's retreat via Gary that had a whole listing of things that uh, I was to do and not do, be aware of and not be aware of, things that they were worried about and not worried about. And one of the ones was that I was going to talk too much about where I'd been. Hopefully I haven't done that yet too much. And that we would just come in and discombobulate everything, turn everything upside down and, and make it a mess of our own choosing. So that is something that, that you all are, not just you men, you all are a bit concerned about. And so I want to talk about that a bit this morning. I've come to learn about the congregation through how you present yourself on your website, on, in your directory, and through some uh, booklets, brochures that you made for, I think maybe it was your 50th anniversary or our anniversary times. And that's helped to give Rachel and I some ideas about um, who Westlake Village UMC is. We found it very interesting to notice that in 1969 you got started because the denomination, with the help of Bishop Kennedy, thought that there ought to be a church in this new Westlake village. Um, in addition to whatever was happening in Agora, something should happen here. And so a church planter was, are you aware of this? Yes, no, no. So some of you I'm boring, some of you I'm, I'm giving new information to. A church planter, Guy Morrison, who's listed as your first pastor, well, he was an evangelist church planter out of New York City who was sent here to start this church, and he, and he did a really good job at it, although he was doing it at a time in which people were taking to churches still. Uh, so that two years later, when Bishop Kennedy consecrated this church in the round, it was called, you had 200 charter members. And as the community grew, so did you. And it's our understanding that around 850, somewhere in that range, was your, your high water mark as a, as a congregation. The community boomed, and, and so did you. And what fun to look back and say that our first church structure was the Westlake Village Information Center. Good stewards. The building was no longer needed. You stepped forward and said, well, we can do something with that. We'll make that into a church. And they allowed you to have it, I think, if I'm understanding right, at no cost, as long as you could just pull it down here, down Agora Boulevard, and get it to this location. And, and that's what you did. When you present yourself in these documents, interestingly, um, as most churches do, you highlight the big structural things. This building getting here, the consecration service here, the building of Alton Hall, the building of this new structure then with offices and some classrooms, and then the building of the uh, youth building. You talk very little in those documents about the building of the kingdom, about what was happening in your hearts and what you were doing in the community that made the community different because of your activity. Rachel and I are gonna be looking forward to hearing more about that because we know there's a story there because you have done that very well over these years. It's just not in your documents. We're wanting to learn what you thought your mission was back there in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and what you think your mission is now for God. 
We're wanting to learn about how you reached out to young people and young adults for so many years so successfully. We're looking to hear about how you have impacted the community to be a little different because UMCWV existed. We're looking forward to hearing about how you've participated with God to build the kingdom a little bit better in this place. And we want to learn that because we recognize the past is important. There's a fun movie that came out years ago, but it's still uh, in my head. It was The Lion King, and there was a scene in The Lion King between the, uh, what is it, the shaman monkey and the young lion heir, and they're talking, and the young lion heir is trying to avoid responsibility by denying the importance of the past. And so the monkey takes his walking stick and whacks him on the head. And the lion says, why did you do that? And the monkey replies, who cares? It's in the past. <laughs> well, he did care about that throbbing head that he got. And as he rubs his head, he, he starts thinking about the wisdom of that lesson, that the past is of interest and is of value to the present. So we shouldn't minimize its influence for us. We should recognize how, yeah, the tradition of a place helps to provide its stability. Think about the roots of the tree that are so deeply sunk that the tree is able to deal with the elements or how there's ballast in a ship and, and if done well, sailed well, that helps the ship to navigate uh, even rough seas. Communities, faith communities with solid foundations move more confidently into their future. And you have a tradition here that has made a foundation for yourself, which Rachel and I seek to respect and to claim and to move forward with into our future. From those beginning days when you were called the church on the corner and it was widely understood in the community that so much of the identity of the community happened here in this place or in this immediate area. How the congregation is known throughout the community for a marvelous music program and that has been a strong part of your ministry for years and years. And we're delighted to realize that this is the 25th year of the Pizzazz Music Camp. That is a tremendous gift to this community and a, and a marvelous testament to your sensitivity to the importance of the arts in people's lives, as well as music in the life of the church. And I am so fascinated by thinking about what it means to you that you were in a cooperative kind of ministry with the Lutherans for so many years and actually shared the facility with Temple Adat Elohim for uh, seven or eight years. The fact that you did that is a marvelous testament, I think, to um, 
how you anchor your faith in a universal God that reaches beyond the boundaries of Methodism and even beyond the boundaries of Christianity. I think your ecumenical roots in this place are something to be admired and carried forward into your future. We're going to be interested in hearing what you think about who you've been in your past and who you might become in the future. Because it's not just these particular uh, traditions that are a part of who you are, but you also are a United Methodist family of faith. And because of that, your heirs of the DNA of John Wesley and the 300 or so years that this Methodist movement has been going on, you may recognize or you may not recognize that you are heirs of a movement that valued um, two things that some folk think are opposing. One is a personal relationship with Christ Jesus as your savior, uh, the pietist side of yourself. We Methodists from the beginning have felt it's important to have that um, dynamic, intimate relationship with God and allow that relationship to alter us, to change us, to renew us, to have us be born again in some people's language. But that it's alive and it makes a difference to who we are. That's one of the tracks that is part of our DNA. The other part of our tracks is a social gospel, is the work for justice and mercy in the world, that we be righteous people in that we go out and we do things of consequence because of Christ in our heart that helps to change their lives and makes their context, their world, a better place. Wesley was out on the streets. Wesley was in the cold mines. Wesley was before there was the health insurance questions out on the streets with medical stuff, helping people to find a better life, to get off of their addictions, to be centered in a healthy, productive life. Wesley's given credit for avoiding in England what happened in France. That kind of powerful social witness was a part of our background and lives with us today. Are you aware that that is who you are? That is in your blood as a United Methodist, these two tracks. Also what's in your blood is that we use our brains with our faith we call it the quadrilateral. The nine o'clock crowd was not too hip with the quadrilateral. <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of the quadrilateral, you 1030 guys? A few of you. A lot of you? Yes. All right, I, I won't go into it then. That is a big thing. Lots of faith communities do not, beyond anchoring themselves in scripture, do not bring the tradition of the Christian movement, our 2,000 years, and what our thoughts have been over those 2,000 years to bear upon their thinking. We do that. We anchor ourselves in scripture. We look for the resources of the tradition of the Christian movement, and particularly Methodism. And we also say that God is not done yet, that God is still revealing things to humankind. And maybe even you. We believe that's a possibility, that God's spirit is so alive in the world that God might actually, in a contemporary way, 
be speaking to us about our circumstance. So scripture, tradition, experience, all wrapped up together with our reason, that God gift of that thing that's inside this hard orb. That we'd use our brains. We'd be reasonable. It would make sense. That there's a logic to God's work. These are things that are part of who we are. These are things of our past that we bring forward that are the ballast in the boat as we, as we face whatever is out there for ourselves. And so we look at our past denominationally and individually as a parish and we say, thanks be to God. This is who we are. This is what brings us to this moment. And then we also look to our future because our past is not a hitching post that we tie ourselves up to and stop. But our past is a guidepost that's leading us towards where we need to be going. So let me tell you a story about a lobster. Debbie and I have had the fun of eating them this summer as we visited our son. Tasty little creatures. Lobsters are interesting. And here's a story that uh, talks about lobsters and makes a point for us about change. So there's this young lobster, and he thought he was really pretty well suited the way he was at the time. His beautiful shell, everything seemed to feel so very good to him. And so he appealed to the god of the seas to leave him alone, to let him not change at all, but to stay in that beautiful shell. And he was counseled that that was a bad idea, that that wasn't going to work because he was a lobster, and that it would certainly lead to his death. Yet that lobster, in his comfort with himself, couldn't imagine such a thing. He thought that all was so well at the moment that all would be so well forever. And so he persisted with that request, and the God of the seas granted it to him, and there it goes. And as time passed, the lobster continued to change in the way these lobsters do change, yet his shell, his form, remained the same. Soon his shell began to crack and contort due to the changes of his inner body. He bound up and he withered inside to the point of his death. And so now he appealed to the God of the sea for help again, though this time to allow his shell, his form, to change relative to the developments of his body, his insides. Now this saved his life and he lived on. Now, though we may want to stay the same, especially when things feel really good for us, very comfortable, everything seems to be copacetic, we may want to stay the same, but God has created a world in which that just does not happen. What's constant in life is change, not staying the same. Change will sweep us along in a variety of ways, regardless. 
we will either contort and bind up from it as we fight against it to remain the same, or we will welcome it and work with it as we open ourselves to its new possibilities. Now that first change strategy leads to our diminishment and our premature death. And the second change strategy leads to our growth and healthy maturing. Now, I'm not really talking about lobsters, am I? No. Or I'm talking about how we all are lobsters, have the possibility of that. I recognize that I'm not Gary, for good or ill. Debbie wears the skirts in the family, not me. Gary has a good full head of hair, doesn't he? In my time with you, I'm going to get that monk's top, I think, before I'm done. Rachel isn't Brian. We're different. We're different people, just in ourselves, just in who we are. Coming to you, we have created change that you're having to deal with. Even though we have tried to keep everything the same. Um, and we'll be doing that for a while. Well, at least until we can't stand it anymore. <laughs> We're going to do our best to keep everything the same. But still you will feel, you will feel that change is upon you. Change is happening. You'll, you'll feel the, the disconcertingness of it and the promise of it. That will be part of, of what you'll be feeling. And it's not just Rachel and I here that are symbolic of change or the impetus of change. It's all over, you guys. You're going to be doing it too, whether you like it or not. You're going to be getting older. You're going to be facing different circumstances. The graduation from college or the new baby or the new home or the new job or the loss of the job or the cancerous tumor and the anxiety, is it benign or is it not? If we all take a moment, we all recognize that change is upon us. Driving forward life. And I think we recognize that we do have those couple options about how we approach that. We can work with the change and make the best of it. Or we can fight against the change and find ourselves at the short end of the outcomes. So I invite us this morning to think about this and to choose. Think about it and say, well, what shall be my change strategy? Shall we move into the future with a change strategy that employs growth, maturity, expanding, 
openness, or shall we choose a different path? In light of the story, I'm choosing the path that leads to life. I hope you are too. Amen? Amen. So I know this isn't easy. That would have been a place where my wife this afternoon would say, well, that was a good place to stop. I'll hear that this afternoon if you're thinking about that, but I've got a few more things I want to say. Um, I know it's not easy. Um, already in these first weeks, I've gone through moments that have been unnerving, and I've had to take a breath. I've had to center myself and pause and be in a little bit of prayer. This will be asked of all of us as we move forward together. But the thing is, this is not our doing. This is not your doing. This is God's doing. God is in the change business that I talked about last week. This is God's doing, that something new is going to be brought forth through this congregation in this place. Remember that you are incarnation people, and because of what happened so long ago with Christ Jesus, you know who you are. And you are resurrection people, and because of that thing that happened that goes on right now in our lives, you know whose you are. And you are God's. You are a child of God in the hand of God that God is lifting forward into some kind of future. We all hope we can discern that future before it falls upon us, don't we? I'm trusting in God that it's going to be glorious. I'm trusting that we have come this far not to stop. But there's more out there that God will be asking of us that is going to make wonderful things happen in this place among us, and through this place in the community. We stand on the shoulders of Jesus and Peter and Paul and all those saints for the centuries. And we stand on the shoulders of the people that had the guts to say, we'll take that structure, we'll pull it down that street, on the shoulders of the people that had the guts to say, we'll go in debt and we'll rebuild this thing. We stand on shoulders of people that have come before and we've been given the privilege to walk forward with the best that they have given us into an uncharted future with a confidence that God goes with us to do something more, to do something even greater than we've done so far. Amen. So I invite you to open your hearts to Rachel and I and whatever God is doing through us as we open ourselves to you and take you into our hearts and look to see what God is doing through you and invite you to step up as disciples of Christ and do what God is asking you to do. And we will equip you and cheer you on and we will dance together in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. In response to the message and the way that God is at work in our hearts, let us stand and join in our hymn of dedication, 
Go forth for God. So you all are a touchy-feely crowd, I'm told. <laughs> and last week, we did not invite you to join hands for the benediction. Um, so please do. <laughs> because we're touchy-feely people, too. So you all hope, uh, Debbie, that's twisting. <laughs> She's not allowed to be twisting here with that package. Somebody's got to watch over you. You're just twisting. <laughs> So what did that hymn say? Go forth for God with what? Joy, Joy strength, love, peace. peace. Take it all with you. 
God's Spirit is upon you. These are the gifts of God's Spirit for you. Go with those qualities in your heart. Let them bubble out from you to those around you. Go in grace. Amen.